Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 this morning, verses 18 through 25. I'm going to ask you to stand in our great God's honor as I read from the text. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you, Father, for the greatest gift of all. Given to us that we might know you. Father, uh, continue to guide us in the time that remains. We simply want you to be the audience. We want to worship you. We want to lift up your holy name. And we want to remember, Father, someone not noticed, but not forgotten. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's interesting as we think about Joseph. In history and in scripture, he's not typically in the spotlight, but he is in the light. He has an important role to play, even though in many ways seemingly a small part. Although not in the spotlight, he is in the wonderful light. And it's interesting, you know, as I look through uh, the new Baptist hymnal, looking at Christmas songs, trying to find out any mention of Joseph. I only found three Christmas songs that mentioned Joseph. And here are the lines. In, in Angels We Have Heard on High, See within a manger laid Jesus, Lord of heaven and earth. Mary, Joseph, lend your aid. With us sing our Savior's birth. So the first picture in the songs is... He is there. Baby's just been born. And he's looking at that baby. And the call is, break out in song, Joseph. You know, I wonder if he was there at that moment, if he thought back to the angel who spoke to him in the dream and said, this is the one who will forgive sin. I love that song, Joseph's song, and there's a line in it that says, How can a man be father to the Son of God? And, and yet at that moment, he's saying, Guys, we have a song too. And sometimes we feel that we are unnoticed. Sometimes we feel like, I am not in the spotlight, 
but let me remind you, you are in the light. The light of Christ. Now, second hymn, it mentions him. Oh, come little children. Oh, there lies the Christ child on hay and on straw. The shepherds are kneeling before him with all. And Mary and Joseph smile on him with love. So first, there's a command to old Joseph sing. Secondly, just to smile. Sometimes we ask ourselves, what can I do for God? How can I make this big difference in the kingdom? Well, a command that was given to Joseph that I think happens to us when we feel insignificant and forgotten. Smile. Let the joy of God show up on your face. (laughs) That you've been forgiven. That the weight of this world is not yours to hold or to bear, but that it was bore upon the cross. The smile. And then the third song, Sing We Now of Christmas, In the stall they found him, Joseph and Mary, mild and seated, round the manger, watching the holy child. Just watching. Now, I imagine through those years of Joseph and his role, man, he's saying as he thought about what he's, about this boy growing up before him. And I imagine there were smiles that occurred and he watched and you talk about as tough as it is to be a parent i've about give up on giving advice (laughs) i'll tell you what certainly how can somebody be father to the one who is his father god himself it's interesting there's no Words that come from the mouth of Joseph in the songs, in these Christmas songs. But as you open up the scriptures, in the book of Mark, Joseph's not even mentioned. He's not even in the gospel according to Mark. In the other three gospels, we see his obedience. We read about the dream, we about his actions. But there is no recording of anything he said. We don't know in the scriptures any of the words that came from Joseph. It's like a narrator is giving us insight into Joseph, but we don't hear personally from Joseph. But as we look in the scriptures in the Gospels, we see some hints. And that's what I want to look at this morning, just briefly touch upon these hints that reveal to us Joseph. We have mention of him in Jesus' life up to the age of 12. We don't hear about him after that. Many scholars and historians believe that sometime 12 to the ministry of Jesus, Joseph may have died because we don't hear any more about him. He is no longer in the picture. But let's just look at a couple of clues in the text here. In what we just read in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. In verse 21, we read about this dream. And in the dream, we're told that 
shall bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. And so what did he do? He obeyed. He called him Jesus. See, as was mentioned in the skit, it was the tradition in the Hebrew family that when a baby was born, the dad to signify, this is my child, he would place the baby on his lap, on his knees. And in this instance, he was not placing a child that he was the birth father of upon his knees. But he was making a statement that I will be there. I'll be there for this little one. I will give my life to him. I will love him with all of my heart. I will adopt him. And so there's every reason to believe that is certainly what he did. Mary also certainly viewed Joseph as a father. Look at uh, the gospel according to Luke chapter 2, verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. They were celebrating at the feast of Passover. And as they left, they realized in that great crowd that Jesus was with them. And they returned and they found him teaching. And Mary signified Joseph. Your earthly dad. We've been worried about you, son. And then another clue found in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 43 through 45. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You see, he was known as Joseph's boy. He's in the family of Joseph. That's how he was recognized in the community. Matter of fact, even in his ministry, John chapter 6, we see a connection with Joseph as well. John six forty one and 42. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from The son of Joseph. And yet he was a son through adoption to Joseph. And I think that it is also a picture for all of us this Christmas season as we take to heart the fact that no matter what family we are connected to, have been associated with, no matter what is in our past, whether it's a blessing or we've been blessed out, Regardless of that, he invites us to become part of his family. 
the family of God through an adoption process, which is what the gospel is all about. And that's what Christmas is all about. He came as a baby, but that's the beginning, not the end of why he came. And as they looked at that perfect little baby, oh, how they would learn he would become the perfect one. The only one worthy to die upon a cross. Matter of fact, turn me to Galatians chapter 4. Verses 4 through 7. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law. You see, He's fully God, but He's also fully human. Born under the law. And and what is the law? It is the commands and the demands of God that are required to be Accepted into the presence of God. He came born under the law. He came in human form. Why did He come? To redeem those under the law. That we might receive the full rights of sons. We were born under the law. We are in trouble because we cannot in and of ourselves, keep the law. But He was born that He might redeem us from the penalty of the law. Verse 6, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God made you also an heir. See, the Scripture tells us because of sin, we are slaves in sin. But there is one who came and adopted us into his family to redeem us from that sin and to make us part of that heirloom. God's family. To be grafted in and be his. Man, what an awesome, awesome adoption that it means to be forgiven what Christmas is ultimately about is that forgiveness. In our text in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 the angel said Joseph son of David do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is a miracle what has occurred, Joseph. It is not what it appears to be. Mary has not been unfaithful to you. She's not been promiscuous apart from you. This is a work of the Holy Spirit conceived in her. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from his sins. Joseph. What a role. He's not the true father of Jesus, but he's been given a role to serve as a stepdad of the Son of God. As he watched this one who was his son and then come to a point at some time in his life to realize he had become a son in the family. Romans 8 
verses 14 through 17. Wonderful chapter of the Bible, Romans 8. Starting at verse 14, it so beautifully reads, Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. When you're part of the family, His Spirit leads. He speaks to you. You recognize His voice. He guides you. He he leads you. Why? Because it is the very Spirit of God who lives in you. That's what the Scripture teaches us. Verse 15, it says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. You, You see, what the Scripture declares is that at that moment of being born anew, born again, becoming into the family of God, being adopted, being a child of His. When we receive Him, our spirits within us cry out, Dad, you're my dad! And this is what separates Christianity from the other religions. It is not a God who wants to zap us. It's a God who wants to hug us. It's not a God who who wants to get rid of us, but a God who wants to embrace us. Man, it's being chosen by Him, being brought into His presence. Scriptures, it's just so beautiful. (laughs) The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. And we come into His glory. And let me just close here with a scripture in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, only to him who receives it. So there is a promise to the child of God of having this white stone with a name engraved, a new name engraved upon the stone what does that mean? It's interesting. I, we don't know for sure. But there are several theologians who gave out possibilities. One is that when there was a court case, the jury would have a choice between black stones and white stones. The black stones, guilty. But the white stone is innocence. But there were no names written upon those stones. <laughs> but there's still that picture of innocent in Christ, forgiven in Christ. Secondly, there was a s- small stone that was used as a token of admittance to events in the arenas of Rome. And, and so the picture here is that we have a season pass or a free ticket into the things of God, that we receive His promises and His benefits. Another picture is that of important buildings that were made of white marble and they would have etched upon the front of those white marble buildings the names of those who had discovered healing, who had been the recipients of healing. 
And so what a beautiful picture that is to think that God's healed us. He's taken broken people and He's mended us. That's the power of the gospel. But the, the picture here is not of a large stone. The word means more like a pebble. So that's the problem with that particular interpretation. But there's another interpretation speaking of the high priest's breastplate that had 12 stones. And each stone had engraved upon it the name of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so when the priest would go into the presence of God, that high priest, as he went, he had engraved upon his breastplate the names of the tribes of Israel. God's people, the names of God's people. And so the picture here is that as we go before God, His His love looks down upon us and our names are there for Him to see as He looks at us personally. That connection, that engraving of names. And then another interpretation speaks of the with an emphasis on white. The white stone, which could also be translated translucent. That there was a radiance upon the stone. And in this translation, this idea of this glowing stone, it is not the name of the believer, but it's the name of Jesus Christ upon the stone that's given to each one of us. You know, the Scripture writes several places in Revelation that the name of Jesus will be placed upon the forehead of those who follow Him. What a thought that is. That the hope we have in heaven is not, it's not my name, it's the name of Jesus. And so that when I, when my time comes to be before Him, it is not my name that is going to be the, the pass to get into heaven, it's going to be Jesus. That, that, that name. And then there were white stones that were awarded to victors at the athletic games. And there are those who took this to mean that that, uh, that was the pass into a special ceremony following the games for those who were victorious and winners. Man, the point is, I don't know which interpretation is completely correct, but I see truth in all of them. And there will be a time where... <laughs> We will be able to be in His presence. And all of us gathered together, not because of what we've done, but the gospel tells us because of what God has done. Our salvation is not based upon our performance. It's based on His provision. And that's what Christmas is ultimately about. I don't know... uh, where everyone is this morning with burdens, with decisions that need to be made before God. But we have a time, we call it response to God, a time of invitation to God. And maybe you feel, and I'm not in the spotlight, I don't matter, but the light reaches out to all of us. And He wants to work. So with an altar that is open and with a chance to respond to him, I just ask, um, will you obey his call? Let's pray. Lord, uh, I thank you for being with us. I thank you for reminding us of Joseph, Lord, who adopted Jesus as his own. And would at some point, I believe, understand 
the power of being adopted by the Son into the family. Father, if there's one here this morning that needs to become part of the family of God, what a great chance to do that, to say yes to that and to come. And Father, to receive that wonderful invitation to join the family, to find forgiveness, and to find out that I matter to the living God. Father, may you do such a work among us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.